the reading of the scriptures from Acts chapter 19, reading verses 13 to 22, I invite your reverent attention to the public reading of God's word. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those uh, who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them all in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every uh, preacher, uh, every evangelist, and I suspect in different times in life, every Christian longs uh, to see revival uh, in either public or private uh, ministry. And though just very quickly, revival engages not only saving the lost, but also uh, renewing uh, those who are in spiritual decline. So it's kind of a two-pronged uh, outcome. But as important as revival is, is to understand the need for it. So only as we understand the true need for revival will we begin to pray uh, for God to revive and for God to save. Uh, and there's something else uh, in regards to revival that's radically important for our culture, and that's uh, the evidence of true revival. There's revivals all the time. People call revivals, but uh, we have in our text this morning evidence of a true, genuine uh, revival. And then for all of us, the vision for revival. And those three components are found in our text. Uh, the need, the evidence, and the vision. The context is, as you know, exorcists attempt to use the name of Jesus, uh, but are exposed, and that exposure results in revival. We are geographically still in Ephesus. Uh, as you know from uh, last Sunday, uh, Paul's uh, ministry is occasioned by miracles, dramatic miracles. And Luke is going to introduce us this morning to some men who attempt to imitate or copy the source of Paul's power. Of course, hell cannot copy heaven. It can only pretend with cheap counterfeits. 
which will eventually be exposed. It's a beautiful illustration of counterfeits. Uh, uh, I, on occasion, have an interest in uh, collecting numismatic coins, uh, in part because of, of uh, my interest in numismatic coins, but also because my interest in art. Because to me, the American gold coins are just incredible works of art. Uh, historically, in 1933, uh, the President of the United States, uh, President Roosevelt, uh, told all Americans uh, to turn in all their gold uh, in excess of $100. Certainly a beautiful example of an illegal law. Uh, it's kind of a conflict, but it is, I think, an illegal law to tell Americans to turn in their, uh, their, their private uh, wealth. But nonetheless, he did, and many complied, and of course, many did not. So that the coins uh, I own and others own that are American gold coins, that are numismatic American gold coins, uh, are the product of people who broke the law. Interesting counterpart of history. Uh, but because of the interest in numismatic coins, the Chinese counterfeited those coins and flooded the market. Counterfeit lots of things, and they certainly counterfeited American numismatic coins. Uh, so a, a serious collector better be very careful that he's not buying a counterfeit. The counterfeits are gold, but they're not numismatic coins. Uh, and they're trying to, of course, capture the, uh, the difference in value, uh, of course, illegally by counterfeits, because counterfeits are illegal. So, uh, so what's going to happen here in Ephesus is the kingdom of evil is going to try to flood the city of Ephesus with cheap fakes. Let's begin with, uh, with the need for revival. And, and that need, of course, is the power of Satan uh, in verses 13 to 16. Uh, the need, of course, succinctly is the parallel world of Satan, his demons, and their counterfeits. Uh, their presence, of course, is evidenced in a number of things, I can only mention a few. But of course, superstition, magic, idolatry, and false religion. I'm going to also remind you, but uh, uh, we know from books like Daniel and Ephesians that there are angelic forces over nations. So I believe sometimes government policies are the result of satanic influence. Yes, even governments are influenced by Satan and uh, sometimes produce policies to destroy uh, the people of uh, their nations and uh, indirectly to work great, great harm on the church. We don't think in those terms, uh, but we should. Yes, government policies... Uh, can be influenced by uh, the forces of, of darkness. Uh, and of course, the more pagan and demonic practices advance, and true faith retreats, then the greater the need uh, for God to revive. And part of that, as I've suggested, is uh, the reminder that we live in, a, in the midst of an incredibly evil spirit world that's behind all evil. 
up. Let's turn momentarily to the uh, book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 18, uh, just as a reminder of God's warning against uh, this incredible evil, uh, in part. Deuteronomy chapter 18, and verses 10 to 14. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through fire, and who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer. Paul probably alludes to this in Galatians 5.20. So it's not only an Old Testament phenomenon, New Testament phenomenon, and a current day phenomenon. Or one who casts uh, a spell, or a medium, or a spiritus, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these detestable things of the Lord, your God will drive them out before you. But you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. That's why uh, when you drive by the street and it's come to America because I've seen it, uh, it's a fortune teller, you can never go in there. Never can you go in there. Because of texts like this. Galatians 5 would be another text. Uh, and again, it's not, it's not card tricks or coin tricks. You know, someone who pulls a coin out of their ear. By the way, you can do that and give me the coin if, you, if you're so gifted. It's not that. It's contact with the spirit world. That's what God is forbidding. Uh, namely, the spirit world where Satan uh, rules supreme. But if you want a New Testament text that stresses this, uh, Ephesians 2.2, 2, Paul says... Uh, of uh, the prince of the power of the air, which would be Satan, that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Notice, now working in the sons of disobedience. Uh, so all unbelievers are under the influence. Part of their danger. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Now boy, what a text for the need for revival. Unbelievers have been blinded by the God of this world, and guess what? They can't remove the blinders. It takes revival. It takes, it takes power greater than the God of this world. So that this world, uh, this world of evil spirits, of demons and Satan... His incredible power. And more often than not, people buy into it. They say, well, that, that world doesn't exist. That, now that's nonsense. That's, that's superstition. No, it's uh, uh, the revelation of God in His Word that there exists a parallel universe. And again, all those who are not born again live under its influence and are unable to escape it. Uh, my own sense is uh, the men that we're reading of here, uh, the chief priest and his sons, his seven sons, are a product of this world. And 
they're engaging in false ministry. They're fakes. I think the, uh, the chief priest is self-proclaimed. Man, what, a, uh, what an illustration. So many people self-proclaim themselves to be apostles and bishops and whatever. This guy's, I think, self-proclaimed. And his sons are for hire. Always if you pay very, very close attention, uh, money gets involved some way, doesn't it? Uh, these men are for hire. They want to make a buck off of, off of uh, uh, their religion and uh, try to use the name of Jesus. Uh, their client, in this case, Acts 19, is a family of a demon-possessed man. And again, they're fakes who are unwittingly advancing the kingdom of Satan. Most people are unwittingly advancing the kingdom of Satan. So they pronounce the name of Jesus over the spirits. A beautiful illustration that we live in a world that masquerades with our names. Our precious name. And practices as a part of this parallel universe which we live. Uh, if you're a Christian, uh, you and I are energized by the Holy Spirit, uh, but they are energized by the satanic in influence and even possession to deceive. Because that's the point of these demonic influence. They want to deceive. And their great deception is there's no danger. There's no danger from this dark, evil world. I mean, that's just a raw Christian superstition, and they're idiots anyway. So, so they bought hook, line, and sinker. Uh, the deception. Uh, and the evil spirit, isn't it interesting, engages the seven sons. Then it attacks them. And they're defenseless. Beautiful picture. Utterly defenseless. It leaps upon them, overpowers them, and subdues them, resulting in their flight, both naked and wounded, verses 15 to 16. Very interesting, the word wounded is that from which we are English word for traumatized. Beautiful illustration. Uh, the word subdue is literally uh, to lord over. Ironic to me that it's used of Adam in uh, Genesis 1.28 that Adam was to lord it over the animal kingdom, but he forsakes his commission and the animal kingdom rules over him in the serpent. And of course that begins the greatest promise of all time, the promise of, of Christ who, can, who alone can reverse it. Uh, who will lord it over uh, the satanic kingdom. So, I, I suggest with this that the answer to the power, uh, lowercase, is the power of God. Uppercase, if you will. Uh, power and God. It's really the only answer. It takes a greater power to defeat uh, a lesser power that rules over the lost and tries to uh, influence uh, believers into spiritual decline. 
So the only answer uh, to the power of this kingdom is our Lord's power. Uh, he succeeds where Adam failed. Uh, remind you, the great text is an illustration. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Uh, the religious community uh, accuses Christ of being in league uh, with the powers of darkness. And what an illustration of cancel culture, huh? Uh, but Jesus' uh, response to them, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The king is present, and uh, his kingdom uh, has invaded this world. Uh, and that invasion, uh, you and I represent. Luke chapter 4, it's an interesting text to turn to if you want to look at a beautiful reminder of, uh, of our own deliverance. Luke chapter 4, verses 33 to 34. Then I'm going to skip down to verse 41. And there was a man in the synagogue possessed of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And even the demons believe in Jesus. Uh, and they acknowledge Him for who He is. Uh, they also acknowledge that He's going to destroy them eventually. Uh, verse 41, And the demons also were coming forth from many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Christ delivers delivers His power of deliverance is supreme uh, over uh, the forces of evil. It's one of the reasons why we can pray, by the way, uh, for God to work and uh, people who are in spiritual decline or save because only, only the power of God can deliver. So with Christ comes the Spirit, and only those indwelt by the Spirit in the new birth escape the power of the demonic world. I mean, that's the Gospel. If you're not a Christian, you're owned by that world. You have a God. His name is Satan. Uh, and he owns you. He's blinded you. Only God can deliver. And you must go to Christ and sue for peace. Call upon Him to save. Because only He can. And of course, the reminder that he's the only protection. Only protection. It's a beautiful illustration of this. I've, I've referenced this text a couple of times. Um, Revelation chapter 7, and verse 3. Um, God is uh, unleashing his judgments upon the world. And uh, in, in the case of uh, Revelation chapter 7, uh, uh, an angel cries out, having the seal of the living God. To the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So divine protection in the sealing 
of the Holy Spirit comes upon the people of God. And what a, you want to rejoice over something this, this Sunday, you, you rejoice over that, that the reason you have safe passage through this world, devil-filled though it is, is because the Spirit of God sealed you. Ephesians 1.13, having believed you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. If you weren't sealed, you would never make it into eternity. Because the power of kingdom of, of evil. Think of the grace of God to each of you who profess the name of Jesus Christ. Sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, let's turn to a very important subject uh, regarding revival uh, that we see in verses 17 to 20. Uh, the evidence of genuine revival reflects God's power. So it takes God's power. Now we're going to look at that power in action. It's a dramatic display power. Uh, and I define, by the way, revival as an intensification of God's presence. God is always present. But sometimes he intensifies that presence, uh, resulting in genuine conversion and repentance and renewal uh, among those in spiritual decline. Arresting them. So, operative word there is intensification. So regarding this genuine revival in Acts 19, uh, verse, verse 17, um, Luke tells us uh, that the event becomes known before all. So, everyone seeing this uh, incredible uh, event of the power of the forces of evil uh, causes revival, becomes known to all. You know, would that would that the influence of evil upon government would become clearly known to all. The evil influences of uh, moral wickedness become known. Should. Again, only God can work revival. Second, uh, also in verse 17, great fear fell upon them all. Incredible. Every now and then I see that t-shirt that says no fear. My friend, if you only had a clue what you're saying. Only had a clue. Uh, you should fear this, uh, this undercurrent of the working of Satan and all of his demons. And so, that's what happens here. Fear comes upon all because they see the power of it. So the imitators are exposed, meaning the fraud of false religion is as well. Chief priest and his seven sons, just, they were just fakes. They were like Chinese gold fakes flooding the city of Ephesus. Uh, And recognizing their danger that the devil was their Lord, they flee to the true Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. They recognize that Christ is the true Lord of all. That, that's, <laughs> that's revival, my friend. 
uh, on a grand scale. Incredible intensity. Uh, and I'll remind you that genuine revival is only caused by a sovereign God. Only God can cause it and affect it. And the evidences are always going to follow uh, as well. So thirdly, Christ's name is magnified. Uh, again, verse 17. This is the recognition that he alone has the power to set men free. He alone has the power. So that his greatness alone is advanced. Very interesting to me uh, that notwithstanding the power of the demons in the previous paragraph, previous context, um, that there's no really human agent here. It's just divine fear falls upon many in the city of Ephesus. There's no one to take the credit. <laughs> uh, in this case, uh, there's this simple recognition that God's sovereign power has worked. Uh, but it's our reminder as well that true revival is about the Lord Jesus. Fourth, in verses 18 to 19, uh, dramatic evidence that's going to accompany genuine revival worked by the sovereign power of God. Dramatic evidence. Those who believe kept coming while confessing and disclosing their practices. As you know, confession is to agree with God. It's acknowledgement that He is right, that we are wrong, and it engages change. Change must accompany uh, as a genuine evidence of God's sovereign power. In this case, those who practice magic brought their magic books and began burning them in the sight of all. They repudiate and they renounce their old way of life. It's become public. I remind you if you've ever been to a swearing in the new citizens of the United States of America, they renounce old loyalties. It's a beautiful ceremony to go to. If you ever have the occasion to do so, I encourage you to do so. Just to see the uh, renunciation of past loyalties and the formation of a loyalty oath to a new, new home, new country. Nonetheless, they uh, count in Acts 19, they flee from one world uh, to another by sovereign power because only God can remove the blinders. Uh, and the confession involves a radical break with an old way of life. Uh, notice the prepositions I'm going to use. From their old way of life to... Christ captures the essence of genuine revival. And I, I might also add, it's, it's long-term. There's always a flash in the pan. Uh, but it's going to be long-term to Christ, an abiding loyalty to Christ. An expression of the break uh, is the value of the books burned. Luke says uh, some 50,000 pieces of silver. And that was a huge sum in that day. Incredible sum in our day. 50,000 times uh, an average uh, man's daily wage. Incredible sum. Uh, and by the way, you know it's true when people <laughs> forsake 
by, by the turning over of that which is valuable to them. They, they leave it behind. Evidence of uh, genuine revival. That's by the way the ancients uh, were always very careful about someone who came to faith. They would say, they would say within themselves, well, uh, let's just watch and look and listen. I mean, we hope it's true, but sometimes over time and in degree, things have to express themselves. That genuine salvation uh, has occurred. Now, we, we need to have a sense of that wisdom in our own lives. Well, uh, but it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Uh, by the way, have you gotten rid of your good luck charms? You know, I, I trust you have, because there's no such thing. I have a good friend of mine who preaches in New Jersey. Uh, man, you talk about a dark place. Ooh. Uh, he, uh, he had a funeral service uh, in his church, uh, and they buried luck. Just a dramatic expression. You know, quit using luck, because there is no luck. We, 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 we live under the providence of God. There's no luck whatsoever to our lives. And sometimes the providence of God blows ill against us. We get sick. We, we, have, we have problems. Things turn against us. Christians get fired. We, we trust God. We, we look to our, our king. Uh, we, uh, I, you know, when I'm reading the Daily Oklahoma and I come to the horoscope, uh, no, I, I never read my horoscope. You know why? Because that's, that's a connection to the demonic world that I'm forbidden to go to. Forbidden. I don't even joke around with it. I wish the Daily Oklahoma would cut it out, but it's you know kind of part of the pagan world we live in. Uh, and I just have to exercise my mental scissors, pass it by. Because they're all linked to the demonic world. So that the power of God is our source of blessings. Not, not magic. Not fake religion. Not counterfeits. Uh, not the God of this world. Our God blesses us. And by, by the way, we should be all the more diligent as Christians because we live in a very syncretistic world. Uh, we are adept at mixing things. That's why at Grace Bible Church, the adjective alone is such a part of our existence as a church. We don't just believe in Christ. We believe in Christ alone. We don't just believe in faith. We believe in faith alone. We also believe in to God alone be the glory. So we acknowledge His supremacy in our lives. And lastly, evidence of genuine revival that always is going to accompany uh, the genuine intensification of God's presence. Verse 20, uh, the Word was growing mightily and prevailing. Uh, we, we've looked at this before, but want to remind you that present radical places in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, and the Word of God kept on spreading. There was genuine revival. The Word of God always accompanies. Uh, one of the ways you can tell if someone has the true disease of Christianity is they have a radical interest in the Word of God. 
And I understand the word radical has degrees to it. But they have an interest in the word of God, to be sure. Uh, Acts chapter 12, and uh, in verse 24, another testimony to, to revival. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. That's revival. Um, that's why it deeply saddens my heart when I see churches uh, go way overboard uh, with music and drama and programs and programs and music and drama and uh, maybe a 10-minute little, I don't know, Christian homily. I love MacArthur's words, sermonettes for Christianettes. But, but it's abiding criticism. Yeah. Don't be a Christianette, if you will. Um, this is an echo, I think, Old Testament echo. Uh, we'll turn to Isaiah chapter 2. Again, we've, we've looked at this, but it occurs again in our text. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3. Uh, there is, a, there is a revival, verse 2, in the last days, the mountains of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains will be raised up above the hills and all the nations will stream into it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the true God of Jacob, that He may teach us concerning His ways and that we may walk in His paths for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. My friend, that text is being fulfilled in the book of Acts. Would to God in His grace He would bring a revival today and it would be a part of our culture. The word of the Lord going forth, increasing, growing mightily, bringing people to salvation and convicting Christians of their spiritual decline. Mightily at work that God would come and revive. Acts is the fulfillment of this beginning fulfillment of revival. I pray we're part of it, Grace Bible Church. Uh, reminders of uh, texts, uh, Isaiah 45, 23, God says, I've sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. God sends his word. Doesn't have to, never turns back, never defeated. Never in retreat. Can't be. Because it's God's Word. In the great text, Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void without accomplishing that which I purpose. And that which uh, uh, it will succeed in in the matter which I send it. The power of the Word of God. That's why the majority of our services at Grace Bible Church are given to that, the Word of God. And behind it, the prayers of the saints that God would use it. Because apart from His presence, it's just another word. Uh, illustration of this beautifully, another text, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.7, uh, Paul says, I planted. What did he plant? The Word of God. He says, Apollos watered. Watered what? The Word of God that had been planted. And then the majestic words, and God was causing the growth. Because only God can. Only God can.
cause the growth. That ultimately God is the cause of revival and He alone can create spiritual life. Of course, He uses the means as in preachers and the Word, uh, but the presence of God is what makes it genuine revival. Intensification of the sovereign power of God. Uh, we don't set the conditions He does. Uh, Revival is not a sign on a church marquee. Great illustration of this in the Great Awakenings in America. There were two. First Great Awakening, roughly mid-1700s. Uh, Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, men who were mighty in the Scriptures. Second Great Awakening it begins to dilute roughly a hundred years later. Uh, Nettleton, chief proponent, Mighty in the word, but he had a he had a counterfeit in Finney. Uh, he believed that revival is the right use of means. Uh, American church, by the way, has adopted uh, lock, stock, and barrel much of of Finney. Very sad, very sad. <laughs> but it's it's the need for revival to be sure. It's not the right use of means. It's the presence of God intensifying. Uh, his, his uh, presence. So. I also might add that the decline of the importance of the word in church life indication the need for God to come and work in our midst. Well, in, in the case of Acts 19, revival inspires outreach, verses 21 to 22. Genuine revival is always going to inspire outreach. You think of America. We got here because the great revival, the Protestant Reformation, moved upon the Puritans to come to the new world. And so Paul purposes by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem and Rome. So revival raises up workers to advance the faith. I, I would trust those things are true in your life. Think about it to understand the need, uh, the evidence that God would manifest those evidences in an intense form in your life as an individual. And, and, and in your witness as you catch a vision. Uh, because the people that we encounter that are from the world of Satan are utterly lost and have no hope whatsoever. Except God intervened. And God uses messengers. And we, we should be at the vanguard, the true messengers of the one true God. I'd like to look at a, something that's not in our text, uh, but it's a beautiful picture of a prayer for revival. I'm going to turn to Psalm uh, 80. There's a, just a majestic touching prayer. Uh, again, Psalm, Psalm 80. Um, it's a Psalm of Asaph. Look very quickly, if you look at uh, Psalm 80, verse 7, there's a prayer. Uh, look at verse 3. O God, restore us. And cause thy face to shine upon us, and we will be saved. Could reference the lost or simple, simply spiritual decline in the nation 
I don't know. I tend towards the latter, but we shall be saved. It could be the former. But notice God is implored. Uh, notice the ironic blessing. Cause thy face to shine upon us. Come and be with us, and we shall be saved. Man, what a prayer to pray in America today. In the American church today. What a prayer. Or you could even pray it for perhaps your sons and daughters. I, I don't know. People on your street. Because you're a messenger. Now look at verse 7. O God of hosts, restore us. And cause thy face to shine upon us. And we will be saved. I don't know if you know it or not, the reference to God of hosts means that God is supreme commander of all forces, whether land or air or sea. And certainly, he's God over uh, the demonic kingdom. He is the God of hosts. So he's appealing to the great supremacy of God, who alone can act. To defeat. Look at verse 14. Oh God of hosts. This guy's dripping in intercession for people who are in spiritual trouble. Oh God of hosts, turn again now. We beseech thee, look down from heaven and see and take care of this vine. Divine a reference to Israel in serious spiritual trouble. Reference to us as God's people. John 15, we're the vine. The vine needs attention because wild pigs have entered the vineyard and are rooting it up. That's biblical language. The prayer ends, verses 18 and 19. Then we then we shall not turn back from Thee. Revive us. We will call upon Thy name. O Lord God of hosts, restore us. Cause Thy face to shine upon us. And we will be saved. What an incredible prayer for our day. By application, could be an individual prayer in your life. God to revive you. Perhaps your ministry to maybe a son or a daughter. I don't know. Neighbors. Because uh, true revival raises up messengers uh, with visionary outreach. That's how the American church started. That's how the great revival of the Protestant Reformation, probably the greatest revival of all of history, raised up people to go forth. Uh, so think about it. If you understand the need for revival and the incredible power of the kingdom of darkness, Satan himself, uh, and uh, the evidence of genuine revival in true confession and repentance that's long-lasting, no flash in the pan. 
long-lasting. I know so many professing Christians really ought to think about that. And of course, vision, that we catch a vision. And oh, oh, the emotion of this prayer grips the heart. Grips the heart. Oh, Lord God of hosts, restore us. For we will be lost and we can't be saved. I thank God. He has saved many. I trust all of us in this church this uh, beautiful day. If not, this is, this is a prayer you could use for God to come and make His face to shine upon you. And may God in His grace do that this morning. And that you be driven uh, from one world to the world in which Christ is Lord of all.